0: Welcome everyone to the Females in World Sport podcast. Today we have with us someone extremely special. I can't even believe that you're sitting right in front of me right now, the Principal Strategy Engineer, Hannah Schmidt at Oracle Red Bull Racing. How are you, Hannah? Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm really,
1: really excited to be here. And yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, we just arrived in yesterday, so a little bit late, but yeah. Are you guys excited for the weekend? I'm so excited, I love Austin love the whole kind of atmosphere at this track and also it's really great track for racing as capacity so yeah really excited yeah. obviously sprint weekend so it's going to be pretty full on
0: yeah i do like the I do you like the sprint weekend i think it's interesting
1: to have like the different formats and am going to give it a go i think i still love the classic racing format and that's the ones kind of we all know and love but yeah i, I have like the sprint events have grown on me this year, I think.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. I think in the beginning it was all like, mm, "Do we really need this?" But to me, I'm like, "We get to see more racing. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm not gonna complain." Um. So I want to start with something that I found out very recently about you. That you joined Red Bull as a student intern, and you have quite literally made your way up to principal strategy engineer now. So, how did you ever think you'd be here one day?
1: Uh, No, so you're right, it's kind of, it's been a bit of a journey and I've spent it all at Red Bull, which I think is quite a unique thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started on a student placement, but I had actually finished my degree. I just unfortunately graduated a year when it was in the middle of the economic crisis. There was a freeze on headcount everywhere. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to do an internship in Formula One, which has always been the dream, but I didn't think would ever kind of happen. Um, then I fortunately got that placement and then someone left. So I got a full-time job. Um, and then it just all went from there. Um, I was working in vehicle dynamics at first. I did mechanical engineering. That was kind of the more, um, like expected path, and then it was when I was at Red Bull that I learned more and more about race strategy. Mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to be connected with the racing and really a part of that. Um, and that's why I ended up going down that route, um. Yeah, and got the job, and then trained up through strategy. Yeah, and yeah,
0: so fourteen years that I've been at Red Bull now. That is incredible. And you've obviously seen the ups, the lows, everything. Um, and most recently, of course, you guys just wrapped up your third driver title and your second constructor title. How how have you guys just been managed? How do you, how do you guys managed to just balance out the highs and the lows, especially now that you're on a winning streak? When you look back, what comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, so um, I
0: think mainly, to be
1: honest, it has been high. Obviously, we also had Sebastian's Driver Championships as well before that. Um, That was incredible. And I think for a strategist, even when you're not the team that's always winning, Mm -hmm. it's still really interesting. We still always have the opportunity each season to win races. And sometimes being the underdog is still quite an exciting and different way of thinking as a strategist. So the job is always exciting, and you've always got your own kind of personal motivation, and then that whole team spirit where you're working together to do the best you can. So, yeah, I mean, this year has obviously been incredible and kind, of, um, kind of unbelievable um, to be breaking all these records. I think we're all really proud and happy with that. But I've also enjoyed all the years, all the seasons that I've worked here. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, now, I want to talk about Brazil 2019. I think that was an iconic moment for a lot of women in motorsport you know seeing somebody like you on the podium um and i don't think a lot of people get to see that very often you know we as females in motorsport always say see it be it because seeing something really helps you even envision that you could be there one day so that was an incredible strategy masterclass from you that specific race how did it feel just standing over there holding the Interlagos trophy Yeah, it felt absolutely
1: incredible. It, I think when you watch the podium, you think it's quite a quick ceremony, but actually standing there trying to pay for that you're up there, because of a decision you made, obviously we only win races as a team with everybody's hearts coming together, but that was quite, um, an intense decision, um, to pit and give up the lead under the safety car. so, yeah, I felt like, yes, I've made that decision. It made mm-hmm. off. And then to get going with the trophy, it's obviously an incredible honour. And, yeah, it was an incredible feeling. Yeah. I think for me personally as well, i just just um, come back to work after having my first child. And so mm-hmm. it felt like, yeah, you're proving that you, they'll be here. You hang up, they'll do this. Yeah. Um, they could obviously watch it on TV a bit young to take it in at that stage. Um, but, yeah, I think... As you say, the See It, Be It movement is really, I think, taking more and more shape now and people are kind of proud to show what they do and to help encourage women, young girls to stay in STEM and, you know, so many exciting careers for them. So I'm really happy to kind of help represent women. There's so many incredible women across motorsport now, but really happy to kind of help represent that
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's so important for women in the workplace, especially after you're coming back after having a child. Because, of course, you work in an incredible team and there's so much support there. And for a lot of women, unfortunately, that's just not the case. So I think even for you to say that and how much that meant to you, I think that's, that's amazing. amazing. That's amazing. Um, even with, let's say, you know, when you're in those high pressure moments, like you were talking about with the safety car. How do you manage to just stay so calm and centered? I've heard about a method that you use. but I want to let you talk about this because I've heard it's a legit technique. But like, I could not even imagine this, you know, making that decision. I would literally just be so anxious the entire time. <laughs> How do you just keep your center? Um, so
1: I think it's all about having confidence and belief in what you're doing and that you are the best person to make those decisions. That's your job and so i think really fundamentally it comes down to that and knowing that you're in the right place and you feel confident and happy in your role um but also it's quite rare actually for it to be that situation where it's such a great area usually you know what you're going to do in a safety car before it Mm -hmm. comes out and that particular time we had been talking about it and no one had kind of committed either way but then i had to make the call and say right well i think we should pit and then okay
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's <Let's see. laughs> not we <see>. <laughs>
1: that see. now we've seen we of see if it pays off. <laughs> and um yeah, I think that's the really exciting about thing about strategy, it's never a right and wrong answer. But as you say, I think the other role of a strategist is to stay calm mm-hmm. when lots of people are get everyone's very passionate and excited, everybody wants to win the race, everyone has different opinions and data, all of that coming in. You have to stay calm and make the right decision. Yeah. Um, and so for me, a technique, which I got taught quite early on when I first started out in strategy, is that if you place your palms downwards, mm-hmm. um, it helps you communicate more clearly and succinctly, okay. almost lowers your voice as well when you do that. Okay. When you're talking like this, a bit more chatty, yeah. friendly. Yep. And when you go into this mode, you're calmer and you kind of have almost more authority when you speak.
0: Wow. Okay, I'm going to try this. This is really cool. <laughs> Um, Do you think that that is basically one of the most important traits as a strategist is to be able to keep your calm and just, you know, be able to make those decisions? Because I think for a lot of people, you know, you can, of course, excel in strategy, but just balancing that that out with the mental side of things. Exactly. I think it's not all just about technical ability. There's lots of people
1: that are probably much cleverer than me, much better at math and so forth. It's also about having the side where you're good at communicating, you're open to listening to people's ideas, but you're also not too swayed by what other people are saying when you don't need to be. And it's about bringing all that together Mm -hmm. um, so that you can make decisions together, everyone feel like they're on board Mm -hmm. with what you're doing and and make sure you're making the right recommendations. So I think communication and, yes, staying calm, having a level head are really important. Like People are getting angry at you. Don't rise to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair. that's fair. That's a really good tip, actually. Um, the sort of curiosity, what is the hardest variable to work against when you're strategizing for the next race, let's say?
1: Um, so probably the main thing in strategy is the tires and how they're going to mm. perform. So if they're particularly uh, tricky, so probably Qatar was a good mm. um, yeah. example of that yeah. where things happen that you don't exist and that you can't see happening um that can be really difficult so I think the tire behavior is always the main thing when we have graining again mm-hmm. that um can yeah really um impact your strategy and it might you might have graining for a little bit and then it clear around you might not know if it's going to clear up or not so I think really having a good handle on this tire is important and then it's all the unexpected events I always think if you um could see the future then you would be definitely in the best strategy they may maybe need to, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like,
0: okay, <some> people like like and be able job. <laughs> Just imagine. Any hours you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember I think someone asked Max in a post-race interview, did you think about going on SOPs? And he was like, Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, I remember seeing that and I was like, Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um so, you know, because you're in this position, obviously in the leadership position, as a woman, do you, did you ever find that, you know, going to that role is a strategist where other people need to Pay attention to you, listen to you, respect your decisions. Was that ever a bit of a struggle? Um, I think probably. I mean, it's really difficult for me to say because
1: obviously I've always just been a woman. And so, not just, sure. I have mean, always been, been a woman. <laughs> 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 it's a yeah. great thing to be, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that. Um, I've always been a woman, so I don't know how different my career would have been if I'd been a man. But I do think um it was difficult to be one of the first women to sit on the pit wall and to tell you have to tell people what to do and they have to trust in what you're saying and have faith and belief in you. And so I think that it probably did take a bit longer um, because of that, not because of anything personal, but more because of people's perceptions mm. of how women are and whether they think they can deal with those mm. environments. And I think that was the main thing of like concern of whether mm. you're able to deal with the pressure yeah. and et cetera. Yeah. And I think people often... Women are maybe more emotional mm-hmm. and I can be emotional. I'm not at all when I'm on the pit wall Of course. Yeah. But I can be in other things in life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think actually that is a strength. And I think mm-hmm. as more and more women get into positions of responsibility, we can show actually how good that is. Yep. And empathy is so important yeah. and, um, and a really valuable
0: trait um yeah. for Anita and Yeah. I completely agree. I think there's so much to be said about being emotionally being emotional as a strength. Because I think for so many years, women were always told in the workplace, you know, behave more like a man to be taken more seriously. But I think now women are starting to, you know, really come out of their own and be like, you know, I'm emotional, yes, but that's strength. It's not a bad thing to be empathetic, like you said. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think I had maybe a fair bit of that at the start of my career, like Mm -hmm. being told how it should be, which is fine. And you do have to act in certain ways to get where you want and for people to respect you Mm -hmm. but um I think uh it's also really important to always be true to yourself Mm -hmm. otherwise it's probably not the right Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. and it's so difficult to always feel like you're out like sometimes put yourself outside your comfort zones but not Mm -hmm. always if you're just constantly in a place where you don't feel like you fit in you've got to be someone else then yeah that's also not great so I think always like staying true to yourself improving yourself mm-hmm. wherever you can but you don't need to be someone that yeah. you
0: know yeah and of course having a supportive work environment helps with that exactly yeah um I'm curious though in the past 14 years of course you've been at Redburn you've had this incredible journey but I think especially since was early 2019 I think a lot of people know who you are really look up to you I can't even tell you how many people are females in motorsport absolutely love everything about you has have you noticed that as well Like, did you ever feel like oh I'm 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 more of a public figure now uh yeah I definitely yeah
1: I did a bit in recent years which for me is quite strange because I think naturally I'm quite a private person maybe slightly introverted so that has been strange but because of the see it be it movement then I'm happy to do it if it helps yeah, like inspire others and encourage others, but so on a personal level, like rather like you know.
0: Yeah, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I actually at the at the event yesterday, I I had someone come up to me and recognize me from the podcast, and I was like, "What? Like, are you serious?" It's the first time I was ever told, "Like, oh, are you you know this person?" And I was like, "Yeah," and it so felt I actually blacked out for the next two minutes because it's never happened to me before. And after that, I thought about it. And I was like, oh, I wish I was more forthcoming in that conversation. And I hope well, she still took away something from that. But it is, it is a, it's a massive learning curve.
1: Yeah. Because you feel like you've always got to maybe yeah. like be presenting yourself positively yes. and all of that. If, yeah. If people are seeing you as a role model. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but as we've been saying, I think it's great if it helps. Yeah, absolutely. And when it's in the F1 environment, it's fine. I think I had it once when I was, out with my children and that's a bit like oh that's uh, I didn't you yeah. know expect
0: anyone <laughs> anyway, well, uh, right now the bats <laughs> are waiting for you outside as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think in sport also we're just so used to the athletes being the talent and you know being the celebrities that now um with F1's popularity as well which is great um but it is a bit of a change for everyone and I'm sure it's been a big change for you too yeah but yeah yeah absolutely um is there anything you wish you knew sooner about working in Formula One? Oh, that's a good question. Uh
1: I don't th- not particularly about Formula One. I guess one thing I wish like my younger self knew was just to not worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that would be have been really helpful. Yeah. Um and still sometimes do, but I think it, that's the main thing just don't worry about what other people think believe in yourself do what yeah you.
0: that's really great advice I think especially in more sports so many young girls and young women get a little bit um, too caught up with that just because especially as content creators for example there's just so much happening in that side of things that you're always constantly almost measuring yourself by likes comments yeah things like that and i think that's really great advice for other people to be like you know just believe yourself keep doing what you're doing and you will you will get there hopefully wherever you want to be exactly
1: like, and i yeah. think also with social media as you touched on like yeah. everyone's gonna have an opinion yeah and a lot you don't have to yeah <laughs> into all those. Yeah. not all right yeah so yeah yeah
0: especially on race strategy i mean I feel like yeah. everybody's a race strategy on <laughs> twitter it's just so funny I will say that during the race, I always have Twitter on the That's side awesome, open. But that is what I just want to see—it's just so funny to think sometimes people say, "I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I think, you do you, enjoy on that." You like, do yeah. a better
1: job than <laughs> yeah, yeah. So.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Um, okay, well, before we wrap, we have a fun rapid fire round, which is my favorite part of the podcast. Where I'm going to ask you three questions, and you just have to tell me whatever comes to your mind first. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> no. <I'm so> fine. <laughs> All right, question one, what would you say are your three paddock essentials?
1: Okay. Um, obviously normally I'm just always working now um, in the paddock, so probably the main one for me is a hair tie now, mm-hmm. um, cause on the pit well, it can be really windy yes. and you're getting your hair <laughs> and stuck in your headphones. so <laughs> yeah, um, probably that. And then I, um, then, um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess always we have our laptop, our headphones, everything you need for your work. Yeah. Um, and probably also, this maybe won't sound that nice, but um, uh, probably a spare t shirt or something. Some of mm. those races can be so hot. That's on that pit will like, there's no air conditioning there. Like, it's really hot. I mean, nothing compared to what everyone deals with in the garage, but yeah. like, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really good. Idea. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Yeah. That's a really good. One. <laughs> Maybe not nice, so. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I see like it's it's fair. I, I think a lot of fans actually should sure, probably do that as well because being in like Singapore or Qatar yeah, or even exactly. Miami, it's like being hot. Oh, so God, I can't even imagine. Yeah, because like you're right. There's no air conditioning on the pit wall. <laughs> yeah. Um. Second question is, what has been your most cherished race win? Person? um so maybe brazil because as we talked about
1: getting the trophy but also hungary uh last season when we came from pent to win i really wasn't expecting it at that race, and so and we got to do some really interesting exciting strategy and the cup people more than want to start so yeah i really loved that yeah
0: yeah that was that i remember that one yeah that was, again, I feel like the, the races I'm guessing for you as well that are most rewarding even to watch are the ones that are most strategic and you have to think about it the long term because it keeps you on the edge of your seat. You know, you're always like, what's going to happen next? And you're like, oh, no, now we're at that five lap, you know, undercut range. Like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, if you weren't a world sports strategist, what would you be doing? Um,
1: so I think I would like to be a detective. And right into mature prime.
0: What's favorite true crime sure
1: and mm-hmm. so I listened to uh Prime Jumpy. Oh, yeah, and yeah.
0: <laughs> <I> love that.
1: <laughs> oh my god. And yeah, so I think I'd like to see that. I feel like using some of the same skills. Yeah. Like, I think good yeah. Exactly.
0: I love okay. that. I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I feel like it's also, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I'm thinking like Sherlock Holmes right now. <laughs> you know, obviously, it <laughs> was beautiful in the, in the place. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure just getting to know you and hearing all about your journey. I think there are so many women who truly look up to you and so many young girls who are now starting to feel like, okay, they've got into Formula One as a fan, but they really want to work in the sport now. So just, you know, listening to you and um, watching you, you know, on the podiums and like all those things, you know, on camera, everything, it really makes a big, big difference. So from everyone, thank you so much for even doing that. And like we were talking about, it's a bit of a learning curve here too. So um, no, it's not easy, but it's amazing for all of us to see. So thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today. No worries. Thank you so much. It's been absolute pleasure. And yeah, it's an absolute honor to
1: represent women in any way I can. And we Yeah. Thank, you. Okay. Thank you.